Tonight's gospel is from Luke 2, 22 through 40. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn child shall be designated as holy to the Lord, firstborn male. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout. Looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to the mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and for the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that is, will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer, night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to, who, to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. There is something about hearing the song of Simeon as we gather here late in the day on New Year's Eve. As we look back on this year and look forward to welcoming in a new year, something about hearing those words, the ones that are burned in my own memory from Compline prayers, now, Lord, you let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of every people, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, whether we look back tonight on the highlights of the year, favorite books, 
best meals, most memorable travels, or perhaps ahead to this new year, resolutions or new insights or whatever it is that this turn of the calendar will bring. I don't know, I find something so soothing after the hustle and bustle that is Christmas to hear just this week later the song that concludes Luke's nativity, so full of music. Zechariah and Mary and Simeon, the choirs of angels, all singing to welcome in this baby who comes so unexpectedly into a world that is still so desperate for good news. So often it's our children who don the bathrobe shepherd's costumes and the well-loved tinsel halos to tell the nativity story. But in Luke, it's Zechariah and Elizabeth and Simeon and Anna who bookend the story anyway. After years of waiting and hoping, they sing their songs, welcoming in this long-awaited promise. The promise for which we still, I suppose, wait. A promise that comes not as they expected, or as we do, but as a promise that comes nonetheless. In his book, Beyond Words, Frederick Buechner writes about Simeon. Jesus was still in diapers when his parents brought him to the temple in Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as the custom was, and offer a sacrifice, and that's, what old, that's when old Simeon spotted him. Years before, he'd been told he wouldn't die till he'd seen the Messiah with his own two eyes, and time was running out. When the moment finally came, one look through his cataract lenses was all it took. He asked if it would be all right to hold the baby in his arms, and they told him to go ahead, but be careful not to drop him. Lord, thou lettest thou servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, he said, the baby playing with the fringes of his beard. The parents were pleased as punch, and so he blessed them, too, for good measure. Then something about the mother stopped him, and his expression changed. What he saw in her face was a long way off, but it was there so plainly he couldn't pretend. A sword will pierce through your soul, he said. He would rather have bitten off his tongue than said it, but in that holy place he felt he had no choice. Then he handed her back the baby and departed in something less than the perfect peace he'd dreamed of all the long years of his waiting. Then he handed her back the baby and departed in something less than the perfect peace he dreamed of all the long years of his waiting. The less than perfect peace. That strikes me. Maybe you too. 
Funny enough, my computer kept trying to spell check that phrase. Apparently the less than perfect piece does not fit into Apple's algorithms. It wanted it to be P-I-E-C-E. To be fair, I guess swords piercing the souls of young mothers and eight-day-old babies probably does not fit into many of our ideas of perfect peace. And yet here we are. This is our story, too. This morning's New York Times, the morning newsletter, included some past predictions. Maybe you saw some of them, too. Reminders that sometimes we get it right on this night, and sometimes we get it very wrong. As 1860 turned to 1861, alongside coverage of New Year's celebrations, the Times reported warlike preparations, including Southern demands that federal troops vacate Fort Sumter near Charleston, South Carolina. Still, the first paper of 1861 sounded hopeful predicting that, quote, the great republic will grow stronger and greater with the procession of the months, unquote. Instead, the Civil War began in April with the Confederate attack on Fort Sumter. Or this one. Times journalists knew that 1968 would be a big political year, but got the specifics wrong. A New Year's Eve story declared Nelson Rockefeller, New York's governor, to be the only candidate whom Republican officials believed would beat President Lyndon Johnson. In reality, of course, Lyndon Johnson was so unpopular that he dropped out of the race while Rockefeller dithered and launched to a late and ultimately failed campaign. Richard Nixon took office in January of 1969. Or perhaps my favorite read on my iPhone this morning, everyone's always asking me when Apple will come out with a cell phone, a Times technology columnist wrote in 2006. My answer is probably never. Apple introduced the iPhone in June 2007, transforming life in ways both good and bad. And that columnist, David Pogue, later included this episode in an article he wrote about the worst tech predictions of all time. As the editors wrote in the newsletter, 2024 is shaping up to be a big year. Countries home to more than half the world's population, the highest share ever, are set to hold national elections this year, according to The Economist. They include Britain, India, and the US, where a likely rematch between President Biden and Donald Trump will have huge stakes for the country and for the world. Wars in Ukraine and Gaza may take major turns. And that's only the expected events, they write. Many of the most important news stories are impossible to predict in advance. When Simeon hands back that baby, it's in less than perfect peace. As we sit here tonight, more than half of the world already in 2024. And already, as has much of the world, we are all too aware of the less than perfect peace in our own lives and in this world around us. Plans changed. Stupid COVID still among us. 
wars raging, the political circus in which we live ramping up for primaries and caucuses in just a few weeks. We know about the expected events, and I don't think it's a stretch to guess that I'm the only, not the only one anxious about what 2024 will bring. Collectively, we wait, and we wonder, and we worry. And we keep coming back. We keep coming back to these ancient stories, the ones that remind us that it is in the midst of empire and occupation, of war and uncertainty, and less than perfect peace, that the word becomes flesh and lives among us. Still. The word becomes flesh and lives among us still in things so simple as a community that gathers, even on these dark December nights, a community that gathers to say, peace be with you, and hear words spoken how many times before? The body, the blood of Christ, for you. Maybe it's less than perfect peace. But isn't that what we get all along? The reality of the world as it is, and the promise that Christ comes into it anyway. Waiting for a Messiah, getting a baby, hoping for mighty power and instead finding ourselves in the shadow of a cross and eventually making our way to an empty tomb. That the Prince of Peace ushers in not the peace we expect or want, or think we need, but that which leads old men to sing and generations to join in. Now, Lord, you let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. Amen. Mm -hmm.